This really stinks. I, I am so done. I mean, why do we have to go through this? Can't we just get back to normal? I'm so anxious to see my friends and my family and my church again. Does this sound familiar to you? If so, it may be because you've been hanging around my living room this week, stalker. Uh, or maybe you've had some of these same thoughts. Maybe you've wondered, why do we have to go through this? Or when can we stop worrying about getting sick? Or when can we not be afraid of the economic impact this virus is going to have? You know, when my kids were little, we used to read this book to them. It's called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. And in this book, Alexander's day starts when he wakes up with gum that he thought was in his mouth that's now in his hair. And throughout the course of this book, Alexander suffers from things like getting no prize in a cereal box for breakfast when his brothers each get a prize and having to sit in the middle seat on the way to school and almost getting car sick. And uh, when he's in school, he's counting to 20 and he forgets 16 and he finds out that he has a cavity and he gets served lima beans for dinner and he thinks, maybe I'll just move to Australia. And honestly, maybe you've had this thought this week, but Alexander's mom reminds him, they have bad days in Australia too. Now these terrible, horrible no good, very bad things happen, and they're funny when they're in a book and when they happen to someone else. But what about the days when, like, the boss needs to talk to us and it's not good news? Or the doctor comes out with the test results and they're worse than you'd hoped? Or when the court date is postponed or the medical procedure or the graduation or the prom or when you turn on the news and it's just story after story after story of just bad news? In those times, well, it's really hard to find humor. And the really hard part is it can be difficult to find God in those moments too. If you're in a place like that right now, let me just stop and say, you're not alone. You know, over the past few weeks, I've talked to many of you, I've texted with many of you, and the refrain I get over and over and over again when I ask how you're doing is this. Oh, you know what? We're good. We're making it. We're surviving. But when we dig a little deeper, many of you will say to me, uh, you know, if I can just be honest with you, it's hard. Like, it's tough right now. And, and I just want you to know that you're not alone. Like, many of us are suffering, and while some people, yes, are facing pain and suffering that's much greater than yours, and that's something that you can be thankful for, that doesn't make your circumstances any less real. And, and so the question that we want to explore today is this. Why does God allow pain and suffering? Right? We're in week three, three of our series called Explore God. And over the course of this series, we're looking at seven big questions that people often have about life and God and faith. And our goal in this series is not to present an answer to each of these questions, but it's really to explore them together as a community. And so if you were with us last week, we asked the question, is there a God? And Paul presented to you that he believes, that we believe as a church, uh, that I believe there is a God. And not only is there a God who was before everything and created everything, but that that same God loves you and he cares for you. But even if you go so far as to believe that, here's the question you could be wrestling with in a time like this. Where is he? Like, where is God in all this? If there's a God who created everything and he has power over everything and he cares for me and he loves me, why on earth would he allow me to suffer? If he loves people, why do we have to deal with pain and betrayal and regret and shame? In other words, how could a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? And this is a question 
that we feel down deep in our soul, isn't it? It's not just an intellectual question where we're looking for a logical answer to help us make sense of things. How we answer this question has a direct impact on what we believe about God and about how we live our lives. So before we dive into the text, I want to tell you three things that I'm not going to do today. Uh, First, I'm not going to solve this issue for you. The idea of suffering is a complex one. It's, it's complex emotionally and theologically, and I don't want to lead you to believe the answer is simple. Second, I'm not going to minimize your pain. I, I'm not going to give you some platitude that, you know, everything happens for a reason and you just need to accept that. That's not what we're going to do. And the third thing is I'm not going to blame you for your suffering. I won't accuse you of not having enough faith or not reading your Bible enough or not praying enough. The truth is that suffering, unfortunately, is... I mean, it's a part of life on earth. And while we believe that someday everyone who is in Christ will reach a day and a place where there will be no more suffering and no more pain and no more tears, well, that day isn't today, at least not yet. If you have your Bibles, open them to Habakkuk chapter 1. Yes, I said Habakkuk. And even if you're reasonably knowledgeable of scriptures, you may not be able to find Habakkuk, so I'll just tell you. Uh, the rest of you are probably thinking, Haba Huba Wadi, you know. Uh, but I'll just tell you that in the Old Testament, Habakkuk is right near the end. It's about five books from the end. So if you open your Bible and you get to the book of Matthew, turn left and go about five books to Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk was a prophet. He lived about 700 years before Jesus. It was a time just a few years before the southern kingdom of Israel was destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. And what's happening at the time he writes this is there's a lot of injustice in Israel. People are turning to idols. But rather than speaking God's word to people like most of the prophets did, Habakkuk took the word of the people and spoke to God on behalf of them. Here's what he says, uh, starting in chapter 1, verse 2. Habakkuk 1-2 says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Now, if you don't spend much time in the Old Testament, there's some tricky language to get around here. But when you break this passage down, what we see is this man, Habakkuk, and he's asking three questions. God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why are you allowing suffering to happen? And why don't you care? And in those moments when we're able to be honest with ourselves, aren't those the same kinds of questions that we can ask when we're in times of struggle and pain and doubt? God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why are you allowing suffering to happen? And why don't you care? These questions can feature prominently in our minds during times like this. They occupy a lot of space in our brain and they're made much worse when they're amplified by voices in our culture that tend to be very me-centered and tend to be very skeptical and tend to be very cynical. In fact, our culture at 21st century in the United States, uh, which many people would lead you to believe is a Christian culture, a Christian nation, our culture actually tells us things and tries to convince us of things that are directly counter to what Scripture teaches. In fact, they're lies. They're just lies. And, And these lies make it harder to accept this idea of pain and suffering because they make us believe that life is all about us. And so there are three of them I want to share with you today, three lies that our culture tells us. Lie number one is this, the purpose of life is to be happy. Uh, You've heard it 
maybe even you've said it. If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't spark joy in your life, you should get rid of it, right? Because life is all about you, and God wants me to be happy. So every TV commercial, every billboard ad, every social media post is designed to tell us that the very thing that they have, the the one thing they're trying to sell to you, whatever that is, is the thing that will make your life complete and will make you happy. You know, if you only use that phone or drive that car or smell like that one deodorant, like all of your problems are going to be solved. Our very own Declaration of Independence says that one of the inalienable rights of humans is the pursuit of happiness. Like we believe in this so much, so deep in our soul that we've made it a foundational principle of our country. But believing that happiness is the goal or purpose of life is not just wrong, it's dangerous. Because if we believe that happiness is the purpose of life, then when we experience suffering, well, it doesn't just make us unhappy. It destroys our life's purpose. Like pain and suffering stand in opposition to our happiness. And so if we believe what our culture tries to tell us, that happiness is the purpose of life, then all suffering is bad. It can have no redeeming qualities. And we know that's not true. And you know that's not true. You know that pain and suffering has redeeming qualities because if you're anything like me, during this global pandemic, you have seen some of the very best of humanity. You know, in the world of bodybuilding, you know, back in the days when you could actually go to the gym, like uh, you could go and you could lift weights. Remember when you had to make a conscious decision to skip the gym? Like now you have a built-in excuse. Oh, I was going to go to the gym today, but it's closed again. Oh, daggone it. You know, but back in the day, some of us would actually go to the gym and we'd lift weights and we'd lift weights until we had pain in our muscles because when we did, that act of lifting the weights would tear up our muscles and our body would use that as a signal to build them up again stronger so that next time they could handle more load. And isn't it possible? Isn't it possible that the pain and suffering in our life is doing the same thing with our character and with our emotions and with our spirit? which would mean that suffering actually has some redeeming value. It has some meaning and that suffering can be good. And if that's true, if suffering can be good, then the purpose of life can't be happiness. Because if we believe that lie, then doesn't it make sense that we would have a hard time handling pain and suffering? Now, there's a second lie culture tells us, and it's this, that my status with God is based on the good and bad things I do. This is the the lie of karma right? If I do good, good things will happen to me. If I do bad, well, that bad's going to come back around and bite me in the end. I mean, this is so ingrained in our culture that this lie pervades our media. I promise you that any time you see a representation of heaven on TV or in a movie, the person that's there got there because they're generally a good person. And any time you see a representation of hell, which is much less frequently, by the way, But anytime you see a representation of hell or you hear talk of hell on uh, television or in a movie, the person that is going there or talking about it got there because they told a lie or they betrayed someone's trust or they stole something, right? And man, don't we want to believe that? Don't we want to believe that our good works will be rewarded in the end, but that that person who cut me off in traffic or is trolling me on social media or who bought the last roll of toilet paper that they're going to get what's coming to them. They're going to get what they deserve eventually. But here's the problem with that. A a biblical worldview doesn't connect pain and suffering to someone's morality or someone standing with God. In fact, Jesus reminded us in Matthew 5 
that he, talking about God, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I mean, this is, this is one reason, by the way, why I think scripture is so helpful. Because it's realistic, right? It's honest, it's true. The Bible is terribly realistic in telling us that this world is filled with pain. Welcome to church. I hope you're encouraged this morning. Look, I'm just being honest with you. We, we all have pain and suffering in our lives. None of us is immune. Not, not one of us is immune to that. Now, we, we can be Christians or not. We can be good people or not. And still, our marriage is going to struggle from time to time. We, we're going to get sick. Our, our kids are going to make dumb decisions. Our friends are going to let us down. Our jobs go away. But wait, it gets better. Because Jesus promised that there's a way out. He said in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, I want to stop right there because what things did he tell them, tell his disciples? I just want to show you, I was looking at this passage this week, and do you know what Jesus was just telling them before he said this? He was telling his disciples, now this is the, the heart of the church when Jesus was walking the earth, he was telling them that they're going to be scattered into their own homes, he was telling them that you guys are gathered together now, but one day you're going to be quarantined, basically. You're going to be separate in your own homes. And I'm telling you this because why? Because he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. See, karma says, you get what you deserve. Jesus says, I'll take what you deserve. You can have what I deserve. Now, there's a third lie that culture tells us, and it's this, that we have to be okay. People won't accept me unless I act okay. You know, we take advantage, uh, we, take, we take for granted how fast we can get things in our modern world. You know, how, how fast can you have just about anything delivered to your door? I mean, how many of you are upset right now because you can't get your non-essential stuff from Amazon in only two days, right? It's taken longer. Everybody in the room is raising their hand right now. Uh, in the same way, we've become accustomed to quick healing, I think. Our, our medical uh, profession has advanced so far that uh, how often do we see, especially in sports, someone breaks an ankle or a collarbone, and in just a few weeks they're back playing the game, or even a devastating leg injury, you know, the kind they show on repeat on ESPN, on SportsCenter, over and over and over again. And if you have a weak stomach, you have to turn away from the television because you can't stand to watch it. Th th those injuries that should be career-ending, and the player is back next season, seemingly at full strength. Well, maybe that works with broken bones, but it's, it's not quite as practical with broken hearts. The truth is that emotional pain can take months or even years to heal from. And there are certain types of pain and suffering that we may never fully re recover from, yet for some reason, we feel like people need us to be okay, that we say, suck it up, buttercup, and we, we put on a brave face, and when somebody asks us how we're doing, we'll say, fine, but we're dying inside. Like, we need help. And we fail to acknowledge how slow the process of healing and restoration is. Can I just tell you, it's okay not to be okay right now. Whatever you're feeling right now, it's okay. You don't need to pretend. In fact, now more than ever, I think people will understand People will be willing to help. As a church, we're willing to help. If you're really struggling with something, some 
deep hurt, some anxiety or depression, and you don't have a place to turn, please, please reach out to us. We've got virtual prayer rooms that are open right now. We've got pastors waiting in there to to chat with you and to pray with you. Uh, There's a link in the comments section wherever you're watching this right now. Or you can send us a message on whatever platform you're watching on today. Or you can email us at info at genesischurch.me and one of our pastors will reach out to you and pray with you and help you find counseling or point you to practical help or whatever it is you need, we're here for you. Pain and suffering are a reality of life. Which may cause you to ask, how did suffering even get introduced into the world in the first place? Right, if God is all-powerful and he's always good and he created everything, like how did evil and pain get into our world to begin with? Well, according to scripture, the answer is we we brought them. That that we, people, introduced them. And to understand that, I want you to think through something. I, I thought of this analogy while I was out on a run this week, so it may not... Uh, speak to you at all, but I was thinking about the difference between pets and puppets. All right, when my daughter was a little girl for several years, she begged us for a dog, a puppy, actually. And we already had a dog. And I remember when that dog was a puppy, and she whined a lot, and she made messes, and she kept us up at night, and she tore things up, and I didn't want to go through that again. Pets are hard. Pets are messy. I would have rather gotten her a puppet. Puppets are easy, you know, Puppets only say what you want them to say and they do what you want them to do and when you're done with them for the night, you just put them away and they won't bother you again until you're ready to play unless you're watching some really scary movie. (laughs) But puppets are cleaner and easier and far less hassle. But here's the thing. Pets can express love, right? They they want to be with you. They, they, They talk to you in a way. They nuzzle up against you. They bring you far more joy than a puppet can. If a puppet tells you it loves you, it's only because you made it tell you. And so when God created people, he could have made us puppets and kept total control. It would have been cleaner. It would have been far less hassle, but that's not what he wanted. He wanted a creation that he could have true community with, that would love him and worship him out of choice from our own hearts, not because he made us. So I'm not saying that you are God's pet, but he made us to be more like that with the ability to decide for ourselves if we would follow him or not, if we would worship him or not. And along with those choices came the power for us to do his will or our own. And so when the very first people chose to go against God's will and go their own way, it introduced things into God's perfect world like pain and disease and betrayal and mistrust and murder and theft and sin. And we've created our own culture that includes all of these things. We've just come to accept them as part of our life on earth. But then sometimes we can listen to that same culture that culture that we created that we know has bad things in it, we can listen to that same culture for how to live life, and that's not where we should go for advice. Our culture is broken, right? Look around. Look at the news. So when our culture lies to us about the purpose of life or how to gain status with God or how we need to behave for other people's sake, we need to shut those voices off. We've got to turn off the TV. We've got to turn down the music. We've got to get off those Instagram pages. We've got to turn somewhere else to get our ideas of how to live. When we start asking those same questions that Habakkuk asked, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why are you allowing suffering to happen? Why don't you care? I have to tell you the place where I go, the place where we go as a church is to Jesus. 
He is, the Bible tells us, the author and perfecter of our faith. And in Jesus, we find a God who suffered and his life was profoundly shaped by his suffering. Psalm 69 tells us that Jesus was a foreigner to his family and a stranger to his brothers. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was arrested, he was deeply distressed and troubled. Later, he was so stressed that he was sweating drops of blood onto the ground. In Luke 22, he begged his father to save him from death on a cross. He wanted an escape. Even on the cross, he felt abandoned by his father. He, He cried out in despair. He felt a deep separation from the one he truly loved. And he died a slow, painful death on the cross the death that we deserved to pay the price for our sin and disobedience. From a biblical perspective then, we don't need to ask the question, why do good things happen to bad people? Because we believe the foundation of our faith is that the worst thing happened to the best person. While Jesus doesn't answer the question, why does God allow pain and suffering? We know what the answer is not. It's not because he doesn't care. It's not because he doesn't love you. And so like I said, we don't have easy answers for you today about why God allows pain and suffering in the world. But I do know this, Jesus understands. And he wants you to come to him. He wants you to trust him with your pain and your suffering. And during the first two weeks of this series, we introduced you to a challenge called Pascal's Wager. If you haven't been with us, Blaise Pascal was a 17th century scientist, an intellectual. He grew up knowing about God, but not earnestly following God. And then one night, in the middle of the night, he made a profound decision, a decision that would change his life. He changed his mind and decided he wanted to follow God. And his passion for God caused him to make it his mission to help other people find their way back to God. And so what he did is he began to challenge his fellow intellectuals, the people who had logical ways of thinking, to make a wager on God. He he would dare them to step into a belief about God and see if it didn't change their lives for the better. Pascal explained his wager this way. He said, make a bet that there is a God who loves you. If you are right, you have everything to gain. And if you are wrong, you have nothing to lose. Make a bet that God is real. And so this week, just like we've been doing throughout this series, we want to challenge you to make Pascal's wager, this time in relation to the hard stuff that's going on in your life. Maybe in particular, you could pray this prayer. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me in my pain and suffering. God, if you're real to me, make yourself, if you're real, make yourself real to me in my pain and suffering. Invite God to reveal himself to you in the trials that you are facing. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer daily or or, or a few times a day over the next week, especially if you're in a really hard place in your life right now. And see if God doesn't show up and reveal himself to you in a new and exciting way. And taking on this wager, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And know this, the the reason, the whole reason we can trust Jesus with our suffering is because he's experienced it. And we can take our suffering to him with confidence, knowing that he can overcome it. Because yes, he died a painful death on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. You know, on the third day, God raised him up from the grave, proving that he can overcome anything that's happening in my life and in your life. 
And if he can defeat death, he can defeat whatever you're facing today. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. No matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're suffering from, it won't have the last word because Jesus has defeated it, even death, by rising from the grave. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for that promise. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? God, I believe that through Jesus Christ, you overcame death. And Lord, I just trust you with my pain and my suffering. And I pray for everybody who's watching online right now, everybody who's engaged in this service right now, that you would help us have the confidence that we can bring our pain and suffering to you and you care about it and you know what to do with it. Lord, this week, we lift this prayer up to you. If you're real, make yourself real to us in our pain and suffering. I pray this in the name of Jesus.